and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigars-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by the man with the longest cord, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you very much. I, I don't like to brag, but, you know, somehow that comes up. And I, you know, great show ideal this week. I've had all kinds of stuff. I've got tons of stuff to get through. I don't know whether to light cigars or start first. But I guess we should introduce our guest first. That's usually a good place to start. This week we're having back on the show, author, gentleman extraordinaire, gentleman of gentleman of leisure. Are you a gentleman of leisure yet? Not today. He's wearing a tie. Uh, All things in balance. (laughs) And uh, Mr. Jay Drescher is joining the cigar cast today. Yes, I I would like to say that I'm wearing this nice form-fitting shirt. These uh, chalk pinstriped gray trousers and black shoes and a tie just to be on the podcast, but it's not being videoed, is it? No, not yet. Not that you're aware of. You know, I was in court in Pulaski, Tennessee. I'm sorry. Uh, do we know why Pulaski, Tennessee is infamous? Ku Klux Klan. Allegedly, the birthplace of the courthouse was, it's really ornate. Mm-hmm. It was built in 1906. There's an L-shaped balcony in this very large courtroom. I know why it's there. I didn't ask, but I know why it's there. Mm-hmm. That was where certain segments of the population were limited to being present if they were in the courtroom. It's in a very famous scene in To Kill a Mock- Well, the courtroom scene in To Kill a Mockingbird came immediately to mind. Yeah. That's right. I was going to bring that point up. Very interesting. All right. So let's talk about our cigars and get lit. Then I've got to consult with my attorney okay. on a legal matter. That concerns me. Should I know it? some good lawyers if you need I, any. I, bu- I bought him a cigar, so he is now on retainer. That's right. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, like, that's the way it works, right? That, that's my understanding. And I was like, what are you going to smoke tonight? You know what? I walked into the humidor. I have had a very long, busy day that started very early. And so I walked in. I, I hate waking up before 6 a.m. I borderline refuse to do it. But because of what my day was going to be like today, I knew that it was the only chance I was going to have to work out. So I woke up at 5.30 and went for my run and then immediately into the office and then burned rubber the hour and a half to get back here to record tonight. So I'm just a little, I haven't had that usual decompression time that I normally get. Bouncing around the humidor, really wanted that Dominican um, savoriness that I get from right. La Aurora. But then grabbed a cigar that I haven't smoked in probably two years, Yellow Rosa, Texas. I, I th- thought that looked like a yellow rose of texas that's exactly what that is i i don't know i was walking out of the humidor with my la aurora 115 and i went yeah that's uh, and i went no that i'd rather have that sometimes they talk to you they do yeah sometimes want to talk to you occasionally the voices in my head have good ideas we'll know we'll know by the end of that cigar yeah we will because it Uh, has been i will say it has been many years i think i think it's been about a year and a half maybe Maybe longer than that. Maybe two years since I've had one of these. Well, so I'm trying something new tonight. So last Friday, the CAO Bones arrived here at our shop. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed the 6 by 60 and smoked it. I believe I was sitting with you two when I did that. You were. And smoked it, and I did not like it. I could not find nothing out of it. I couldn't get no thrill from it. Just nothing was working for me with the CAO Bone. And so I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to smoke the other size. Now, this is the Robusto. And uh, what is this? 50, probably 48 by 5, 5 and a quarter? That's a 52 I think or it's a 54. 52? Anyway, I'm smoking. You, get so, you smoke so many 60s that anything less than a 60 you think is a, in, this, in the 40s. <laughs> well, I'm, when you hold things of, of larger girth, all the other things start seeing smaller. But the CAO Bones, I decided I'd try a different size and see how it worked. I want to see if I get more out of it because I can't believe they blended a cigar that was that bad and promoted it with that much pomp and circumstance. Well, now, it could also be that it it was blended to a palate that isn't yours, but most often, blenders do blend to the Robusto size. So this should be a true representation of what they're they're actually blending. Outside of maybe Asylum, I don't know of a single cigar company that blends to a 6x60. Right. Maybe the Mayuzi weighs a ton? I don't know. It's been so long, they don't blend it anymore. They just pull the recipe card. 
So I'm interested to try this. I'm going to give it a shot. A little shorter cigar. The draw's good. I ain't getting nothing off the cold draw, but we're going we're gonna to light it up and find out. So I provided Jay's cigar tonight mm-hmm. because as we're going to talk about the changes in Jay's life and all during this podcast. And as he's gotten more into cigars, I've had a lot of fun introducing Jay to different cigars. Right. But I've been introducing him to good twelve, fifteen, you know, sixteen dollar cigars. Yeah. So I thought I'm gonna introduce him to a good seven dollar cigar. And I think I thought that might be fun. And this is a new yeah. one that just come out. It's the Punch Knuckle Buster. Yeah, this has only been out a few weeks. Yeah, it has not been out long. They haven't been here in the shop long. But good medium filler cigar. They're like six ninety five each in the humidor here, which means they probably retail for you know four or five. Yeah. And uh, the um, the wrapper, if I can find that, is Habano Nicaraguan. The binder is Habano Nicaraguan, and the filter is Honduran and Nicaraguan. Now I've smoked that cigar. I like that cigar. Okay. I don't think I've had one of those. So I think it, I thought it would be fun to introduce Jay to a cigar that is less expensive because I put him on a McAuliffe the other day, which one? really enjoyed the. Um, actually, I gave him the Matafina. Oh, yeah, that is a great cigar. In the bold line. But, you know, I think my palate's changing. I think I'm starting to like the Nicaraguan better. Uh, Yeah, see, I've I've always preferred the Nicaraguan in in the bold line. Um, Although I will say I had had the Migdalia today, and that is phenomenal. I mean, you know, I, I, with, with McAuliffe, I have tended to stay in the bold line just because of price point. But they were running a promotion here. It was buy four, get one free. And you got to choose between the Experiencia and the Migdalia. Right. And so I chose the Migdalia because I've heard such good things. And it doesn't disappoint. If you haven't had one, get your hold, get your hands on it. Oh, I've had three or four of them just yeah. from our McAuliffe travels. Yeah. Because that seems to be one of the ones they always give away. Yeah. And all for whatever reason. I will say on the initial light, I am getting, that is better okay. in the Robusto than it was in the 660. I'm wondering at this point why I have taken such a sabbatical from this cigar. This is good. I think you were pissed off at Crown Heads. Probably. But, you know, it's, there, there's probably some truth to that. And I also did burn out on it. I, mean, I was smoking this. This was my favorite cigar and a go-to for a while. Granted, that was back when it was nine ninety nine, not eleven ninety nine like it is now. But you know, so that certainly doesn't help my going back to that well. But man, I am really enjoying this. What do you think of the knuckle duster, Jay? Well, it reminds me of the uh, Medulla Oblongata that I smoked uh, last week, which was uh, under twelve dollars. I think that was a Nicaraguan filler Cuban seeds. I don't know. I'm just making this up. Um, you s- you sounded I, really authoritative. There, I was actually, about to... there are actually two cigars called the Medulla and the Oblongata. Yeah, I was mixing my metaphors. <laughs> I had my analogies inside out, upside down. My dyslexia was kicking in. Uh, it draws well. It has a nice, I like milder cigars. It's got a good taste. And, uh, you know, the best thing is being on a podcast, they give you a cigar to smoke and they don't charge you for it. So that I like free food, free beer, and I really like free cigars. So I'm... Uh, I'm waiting well, for my snack. <laughs> so, so now you've got to work, do your work. So a couple of weeks ago, we'll get to cigar articles in a minute, but I have a legal issue that I must. Jay handles divorces. I'm hoping to avoid that portion of his, but there's got to be a reckoning here. A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> the, first, the first lady of the cigar cast filed a complaint that I was committing a cigar smoker's 9-11 by hiding a cigar into my cigar box. You know the story. I told it at the wedding. I do recall. She was nosing around in my box of Africa's and found a cigar that she didn't think should be there and accused me of stealing it and reported me to Trey. But I keep, you know, being in this business, you collect lighters and cutters. And I keep extra cutters and lighters. I keep an emergency set here in my locker. Right. I keep an emergency set in my truck. Well, she has now twice cleared out my emergency set in my locker, took it home, didn't replace it, cleared out my emergency set in my truck, just replaced it this morning. I think under the current judicial code, I'm entitled to shave off one of her eyebrows while she sleeps tonight, correct? You had me until shave off eyebrows. Um, <laughs> just one. I don't want to get them both. It's a here's bit a, too here's a little punitive. Here's, 
Here's a little here's a little known bit of historical trivia. <clears throat> Rule of thumb. Nope. Oh. Uh, that's I learned that when I was I was stationed in Britain and did a lot of cases in Scotland, which is allegedly where that rule comes from. Well, you're going to have to tell it now. <laughs> so apparently, the rule of thumb, which we kind of use as a general cliche, uh, derives from. And my understanding was that it was a Scottish. Uh, not necessarily a law, but basically it was legal at that time to beat your wife as long as you used a stick or a rod that was smaller in diameter than your thumb. Which gave rise to uh, women refusing to marry men with large thumbs. I, I made That's that a- up. I made that up on the spot. But I learned that when I was in <laughs> Scotland. I um, also learned that even in, I was there between 1988 and 1991, and I was up there a lot. Unfortunately, I was prosecuting a lot of rape cases, which that's not funny, but that's why I was up there so often. Um, the Scottish attitude toward women was really about 20 years behind us. Um, well, the, Sean Connery proved that in the 90s multiple times with some of the things that he said. Well, that's a, that's a stereotype of Australian men, uh, that they're kind of rude to women, and I'm sure it's just a stereotype. And in Scotland, uh, they were just they they hadn't they were they were chauvinistic, mm-hmm. and uh, that th- what what could be more chauvinistic than saying yeah you can you can beat your wife as long as your stick's no bigger than your thumb. Uh, now even then that wouldn't that dog wouldn't hunt. But no, no, you know they they didn't find it as funny as I did. I think maybe they were reminiscing about the good old days. But when I would talk about the cases I had where sailors and male and female would drink together and then it ended up as a rape. They'd look at you like it was, it was their, their look communicated the question, what did she expect? And that's what I, that was the attitude I fought against in all the rape cases I prosecuted. Jeez. You know, that's, that's not how it works. We all know that. I think they know that too, but unless there was force or threat or a weapon, their notion of that, you know, they, they really were not keen on women going into pubs. That was a ma- that was a male domain. If a woman went into a pub, she was running a risk of being taken advantage of, which is true of any bar in the world. But in in that scenario, it, it had a different connotation. So back to the ruling on my case of stealing my emergency cutters and lighters and not putting them back in the place. The historical trivia is this. There's a lot of the Declaration of Independence that came from other documents and other philosophers. And the, the original wording was not life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The, the more original wording, and it, it really explains a lot about the American Revolution and the, the English and American system of the law is it was life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. The reason that the Americans were upset with the English, because everybody was British, the Americans were British, the English were British, they were all part of the same group, was that you can't take my money because we don't have any representatives in Parliament. And when the government takes your money, they're taking your property. Mm -hmm. If they're taxing your land or your whiskey or your corn or your pigs or whatever it is they're taxing, your stamps, your tea... Well, that ain't going to work. We didn't give you permission. You don't have our consent. And the taking of property by the government was viewed as being very heavy-handed. It obviously resulted in a, in a pretty long and drawn-out revolution, and mm-hmm. that's really what it was about. And that theme of uh, the government's power to tax is still very much part of our political discourse. Is, is the, what is the limit of what... The, the government can take. It's obviously expanded a lot since 17, well, the Constitution was in 1787, so it's it's expanded a lot. So I go back to your question. I believe that in a, in a, in a proper, intimate, mature relationship, be, be you married or not, uh, that there should be no secrets. That's intimacy is based on trust. You don't, you don't hide information, thoughts, feelings, and intent. Cigars. But property is different. That's not a secret. What's what belongs to Glenda is Glenda's. What belongs to Shane is Shane's. And I will I will illustrate my point this way. If Glenda had something that was very important to her that she had saved up to purchase, 
and you helped yourself to it, Mr. Shane, you would have committed a party foul. That's Shane, you took my, you can fill in the blank. Shane, you took my, you fill in the blank. I wore size nine pumps. So if, if Shane has a cigar that belongs to Shane and Glenda helps herself to it, there has to be a reckoning. There has to be compensation in one form or fashion or some explanation. You well, have a right of you have a right of ownership on that. Just because you're in a relationship or married, it doesn't mean that's what mine is mine and yours is yours and what everything else is ours. You you have a right of expectation that that's your property. So I'm going to have to come down on on the side of the property owner, in the spirit of uh, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> well, speaking See, of taxation and unfair laws and everything, why don't we start out talking about the FDA? All right, let's do it. There, there's a lot of ground to cover. Well, so the what I'm looking at first is the article from Aficionado. FDA asked court to consider premium cigar deferral proposal. So what this is, the FDA... September 9th is supposed to be the deadline for the approval process to begin. If you don't have your ducks in a row on September 8th, they're going to pull your cigars off the shelf September 9th. That means you either have substantial, what is it called? Substantial equivalents? Mm -hmm. Substantial equivalents, so it's grandfathered in. Right. Or you've gone through the approval process, which, which nobody... Which they still haven't outlined. Right, which nobody really knows what the approval process is. They just would like you to start hemorrhaging money to them until they say you can... You now have the right to ask permission to sell this cigar. Um, they want to extend that, and they wanted to extend that as part of trying to get rid of the cigar industry's lawsuit against the FDA. Uh, it's a sign of weakness on the part of the government. And that, that's obviously another theme that's long run through the tapestry of American politics is what is the nature and breadth and length of the government's ability to regulate every aspect of our lives, which they do, and in many respects for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, product safety, road safety, product uh, whatever, whatever, medication, Obviously, there's a higher standard for heart medication than there is for candy, as there should be. But we've become accustomed to this in in modern society. And when you have things like alcohol and tobacco and firearms, they're highly regulated things. But there's a counterbalance to everything, and you know that's how lawyers make their living. There's there's the truth, the other side, and somewhere in the middle. And there is. Whenever the government overreaches, of course, it's in the eye of the beholder. Many would say that you shouldn't be allowed to smoke at all. That's a fringe group. There's others that say that you should be able to smoke anything that you want and at any age. You know, there's, there's a cutoff at 18 or 21, certain products. I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute anymore that cigarettes can be very harmful to your health and you wouldn't want your kids to start smoking. Cigars probably fall somewhere on the edge of that. And uh, from what I understand about the the more recent activity in that case, I think the government is is waving a white flag and that the cigar industry has a leg up on them. And the judge is, uh, I think, disinclined to allow the government to postpone the implementation of this, which is a signal. It's not necessarily binding on anyone, but it signals to me that the government thinks that they're going to lose. The judge is telegraphing that he's going to rule in favor of the industry and that this regulation is not going to pass muster. And you segued perfectly into my favorite article out of the week on this very topic. So the the regulatory timeline is a separate case from the actual lawsuit that's, that's ongoing right now. And so uh, the, the, the case between the FDA and the Cigar Rights of America and a couple of other companies is being seen or is being heard by a Mitt P. Meta, who's a judge in the U.S. District Court for D.C. And he basically told the FDA that they need to go pound sand this week. I'm, I'm well, really, you know, condensing that. But essentially what he had to say was that you haven't done your homework on this and you're trying in one breath to saying, well, we're not going to enforce this, but at the same time trying to 
force people to bend to a regulation that you're not planning on enforcing, then why, why bang that drum so hard? Well, you know, you'd, you'd like to think, I would like to think that I, I always hearken back, it was uh, oleo, which was not butter, was dyed yellow and sold as butter. Mm. And that's consumer fraud. It's not butter. And we all respect that if you label something as butter, it's butter. Right. If it's not butter, it's not butter, and you can call it something else, but dyeing it yellow and trying to pass it off as butter, that's not going to fly. Right. If you don't have a reasonable or rational explanation for a regulation, is it to protect the consumer? Is it to protect uh, people's health? You know, there's a balance because mm-hmm. there's a cost involved. Uh, if you have to test all these cigars and put labels on them, is it really is there really a, is there really a benefit to it, or is it just is it is it a sideways or thinly disguised way of trying to put these people out of business? And if it's the latter, it's the judge is going to say, eh, "Next, bang the gavel, move on." And I think that's what we're. That's, this has been going on for quite some time because we've talked about it here before. It's been going on. The lawsuits not been going on as long as as when the, the FDA initially uh, announced their plans for this back in 2013. Wow. You know, the judge, we looked him up. The judge that's overseeing this case uh, was appointed in 2014. So he's only been a judge on the D.C. Circuit since since the regulation came out. Right. Well, and the other thing we talked about before the show, um, they use a term in here that I did not realize was, was a legal term. Ripeness. Ripeness. And I'll explain what ripeness is. Well, as we were talking earlier about this so that I could, because I wasn't up to speed on it at all, there's a couple of concepts that came into my mind, and you said, well, it's talked about in this article, so that made me feel good about myself. One is that judges won't, uh, issue advisory opinions. You know, what if we made a law that said this? Would that work? Judge goes, make the law and then bring it to me. So that's how that works. There has to be an actual controversy. Second thing is that uh, even though the legal system can be very long and laborious for a variety of reasons, um, there has to the case at some point becomes ripe for adjudication. Or that's a fancy way of saying saying a ruling. It doesn't mean that it's going to be one side or the other. It just means I've got all the information I need. Is there anything else? Do you have anything else to add? Is there any, do you need another brief? Do you need another hearing? And this has been going on long enough where it's ripe for decision. What the FDA was doing, apparently, was saying that, oh, we're going to just postpone implementation of the regulation beyond September 9th. And the judge goes, no, I'm not going to permit that. Which is what he should have done. Yeah, because, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the cigar industry side. You know, if you give anybody a blank check, if I gave Trey a blank check and I said, find out all the secrets in Jay's life, and you had a blank check, you could do it. And this FDA has a blank check to drug this on. Well, the cigar companies have a certain amount of money they can spend to fight this, and that's it. Yeah. So I applaud the judge bringing it to a head, if for nothing else, financial reasons. Well, judges judges will... Uh, I was in court today, and I got some additional time for a client who is uh, in a divorce case. He's on active duty in the military. He's As I told the judge... I said, Your Honor, what the other lawyer just told you is, I said, everything he told you is correct. He's not in Germany, he's not in Korea, and God forbid he's not in Afghanistan, which would make it impossible for him to participate in the lawsuit. But I said, it's also true that he's not just up the road at Fort Campbell or down the street at the Redstone Arsenal. He's outside of Washington, D.C. at Fort Lee. So it does make it difficult for him, and he's, he's, he's a man of limited means, and the judge gave us 30 days. That's not delay. That's just giving us a, a little additional time to pony up and move on. And it's very appropriate. I knew the judge was going to do it before I got to the courthouse. But delay, delay, delay. Eventually, the judge says, Mr. Drescher, we're going to try this case. And you better be ready because it's set for next week. And when a judge tells me that, and I've heard judges say things like that, they mean it. Mm-hmm. 
they kind of get graded on how long it takes for them to dispose of a case. And if it takes too long, it makes them look bad. I didn't know that. They do. And uh, they... The, the judges I deal with are obviously not in Washington, D.C. They're in Nashville and Williamson County. They track, and how long does it take them to adjudicate a divorce case? So if your case has been pending for a year, they go, move on. Get, either drop the case or it's the Latin phrase for this is called shit or get off the pot. He's <laughs> <laughs> such a wordsmith, the Latins. And I will, on that note... That's a perfect place to take a break. So we're going to step away. So we took us half a show to get this set up. When we come back, Jay's had a lot of change in his life. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Jay 2.0 when we get back. All right. We'll be back with that and more after this. here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week I want to do the Esteban Carreras Chupacabra. This is a cigar that's actually been out for a while. I remember smoking this back in my days in Atlanta many years ago and smoking through boxes of them. One of the fun things about being a cigar guy is when something kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, played in a golf tournament this week and the one guy that was on the team provided us cigars and this was one of the cigars he provided for me was an Esteban Carreras Chupacabra. And as I was sitting and smoking it uh, Monday night after the tournament, I thought, this I really don't give enough attention. I don't think we give enough attention to Esteban Carreras. Esteban Carreras doesn't take up a lot of real estate in a lot of humidors. Um, but they've got this and the Mr. Brownstone. The Mr. Brownstone doesn't fall in the under eight category, uh, but it's right there on the line. Both of them are fantastic. They're they're very medium. They're They're sort of smooth, more chocolatey. You're not going to get a lot of spice out of them. Yeah, it's a Nicaraguan Puro, and Habano is what they classify it as, but it's a Nicaraguan Puro, but um, they've got it as a medium full. I think it's a full medium yeah. cigar. I don't. I wouldn't call this a full cigar, but enjoyed it tremendously. Until next week, try the Esteban Carreras Chupacabra. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man looking to buy a piece of property in Florida, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> Sometimes I do the bump jokes just for Jay and I. I had a feeling. If you can imagine, we were sitting here Saturday night, myself, him, and the gentleman working behind the bar. We won't mention his name. You'll know exactly who he is. I already know who this is. And the couple of nights before, there was a very nice-looking young lady here, and he was attempting to put the moves on her. And that was one of her one of his moves was I'm, I'm thinking to buy a piece of I'm going to buy a piece of property in Florida. <laughs> was he was he going for the symbolism of the state of Florida? Is that I, what he was trying to no, accomplish? I have no idea why that, that so why that goes into your sales pitch. But anyway, sometimes I have to do the bump jokes just for me and Jay. At <laughs> <laughs> all, we it was a hilarious night sitting there talking to it. So, okay. So, since last Jay was on the show, first, let me give a quick update. Okay, smoking the bones in this size, I understand it better now. Because, you know, we made fun of the promo of it's about right. kicking back and relaxing and yeah. barbecuing and drinking beer and driving your pickup and yeah. so forth and so on. I can understand this cigar was blended not to have a lot of profile. Because it's not meant to be a destination. It's meant to be an accoutrement. Right. It's while you're doing something else. And I'll, you so, like that, Jay? Je parle un peu français aussi. Now that I'm smoking the smaller size, I think I'm getting a better feel. I still don't like it. I mean, it, it's still not going to be something I'm ever going to recommend or reach for, you know, past this podcast. But um, I can understand it a little better. Mm-hmm. If smoking it in a... If you have a cigar that you don't like that you would like to like, try it in a different size. No, absolutely. That's that's definitely a tip I would give to the to the cigar smokers out there. And oh, how's the Texas treating you? I'm really glad the voices in my head led me to it. I would have enjoyed the 115 tonight because I always enjoy the 115. There's something about going back to an old friend that you haven't seen in a while and and catching up. That's how this feels. You know, it's. It's very Nicaraguan, as most of their stuff is, and so it's got a lot of that, that 
har- harshness is the wrong word, but it's it it's got a sharpness to it. Right, bite, bite, and and so I'm definitely getting a lot of that, and but but it's something I haven't had in a very long time, and I'm really enjoying it. How is the knuckle buster? It's good. I I can't. I don't have as many adjectives as you guys, but it's good. Well, I so- probably. Given that there's so many choices of cigars, and I, I have been smoking cigars far more frequently, which I guess I'll get into that in a minute. Um, I wa- there's there's the old J and the new J, and the old J would come in this cigar shop, and there's a list of ales and stouts that's on a, like a blackboard, and I would start at the top or start at the bottom, and I would work my way through, and very very commonly I would smoke. Uh, an entire pack of cigarettes. I didn't smoke anywhere else but in the cigar shop. And I would spend two or three, on average, afternoons, evenings, and nights in here. And then my law office is located right down the street. I would go there and sleep on a fold-out couch. Very bad habit. Uh, I'm not saying that's why I got divorced, but it certainly didn't help. So I don't want to smoke cigarettes. And I had tried quitting cigarettes and smoking cigars, but I just never made the transition. But I I found out that I was going to get divorced about eight or nine months ago, give or take, and I made made a number of decisions. Uh, People have asked me, well, are are you going to quit drinking forever? And I go, I don't know, but I haven't. I don't drink. I don't miss it. And I don't smoke cigarettes. It used to be said that in, if you're going to quit smoking, you got to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of truth to that because I think we associate one with the other. It just becomes a habit. But in order to make it a little easier, and because I like hanging out here, and I really one of the things that I'll talk about, if time permits, is the crucial importance of friends when you're going through a rough time in your life. And so much of my social life involves coming into the cigar shop. So if I'm not going to drink, and I'm not going to smoke cigarettes, well, I smoke a cigar. And I've bought boxes of cigars. I smoke cigars during the COVID on my back porch, sometimes two or three times a day, sometimes none. But I've developed some cigars that I really like. You mentioned the Africa. I really like those. Um, I just like them. I can't, I can't tell you what's in them or why I like them. I, just, I prefer those to other cigars. I pro- this this is a good cigar, but I probably wouldn't buy it because there's other cigars I like better. Well, for an inexpensive for a sub seven dollar cigar, that's what it should taste like. That's what to me that's what a sub a sub eight cigar should taste like. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the greatest cigar you ever lit. It's not supposed to be. Right. I would all. say it's good. I hadn't caught that the first time you said it, but. Uh, Knowing that it's a, it is it makes it it makes it a better cigar because I know it's not a it's not a premium or pricey cigar. Right. Well, so what happened here? Let me explain this from my perspective, the one that matters. Uh, I know we're talking about your your divorce, Jay, but we're going to explain it from my perspective. <laughs> now that way, it's devoid devoid of any emotionality, empathy, or. Thank you. <laughs> I, I wear we that. We keep like telling a, you that you de- don't need to wear that like a badge of I, honor. I shouldn't be proud of that. No. <laughs> well, so Jay come up missing about. Um, I guess it was it was back during the college football season. So it was last fall and winter. Jay just came up missing our Friday night brain trust meetings. He was not present at all and didn't catch him here in the shop didn't find nothing just totally came up missing i believe i actually texted you at one point and said would like to see you if for no other reason so i can identify the body that's pretty much word for word what you texted me (laughs) and we didn't know what had happened to you where you went and all that and i walk in one day you texted me said you were going to be at the shop and i dropped in you wanted your friends so i dropped everything to be sure we'd come up here and be with you and all, and that's yeah, that's what beautiful things. Where else in the world at three o'clock on a Thursday could you text? I'd like to see my friends and have six guys drop everything. Six successful guys. They we're not garbage men. Six successful professionals drop everything and come to your side. No offense to you, garbage men that are listening. That's <laughs> hard work too. Well, it's a little harder to drop everything when you're a garbage man than when you're when you're a home designer. Well, when you punch a clock, you have to punch it when you come in, and you have to punch it when you leave. So, yes, it's nice to be autonomous and be self-employed. And that was when you told us you you were getting a divorce. 
and you were in a shape. You were in. You feel things more like Trey does than like I do. And I think the two of you feel things on kind of a much more intense level than it ever touches me. Yeah, sometimes it's a curse. Indeed. So I, first, I am curious. Would you rather, when you are confiding in someone, they go through it with you, or would you rather they kind of remain distant? Which is easier? All right. Well, here's a couple things. And I want to ask that of Trey and Jay, because Trey's been through this process. I went to Trey's wedding on August 1st. Mm-hmm. That would have been my 22nd wedding anniversary, so I was married quite a long time. Uh, as, as is very common in marriages, I'm a divorce lawyer, so as I was telling Shane earlier, when you observe something happening in someone else, it's a hell of a lot different than when it happens to you. So in November and December, I was making a very intensive and last-ditch effort to save my marriage, which was unsuccessful. Uh, I'd already started making many of the changes that, I, that I've alluded to earlier. Quit drinking. I've, I lost about 30 pounds. I started working out regularly. I'm, I'm, I'm addressing my remarks to somebody who's listening who's either about to go through this, who has recently gone through this, who may be going through this, because the odds are great that somebody listening is similarly situated. It is one of the most grueling, emotional, difficult things that a human being can experience. There is no such thing as a simple divorce. It doesn't matter how long you've been married, nor does it matter why you're getting divorced. It's guilt, it's anger, it's resentment, it's self-doubt. I could go on and on about that. I've seen it in clients, male and female, young and old, for years. It's a feeling of failure. It's a transition because one of the greatest things is you think to yourself, is this pain and agony going to last forever? Uh, It's not unusual for, for anyone who's getting divorced to at least have thoughts of suicide. And, of course, there are people who who take their own life. That's how bad it is. They can't imagine that tomorrow, next week, or next month, it's going to get better. And, and I, I was living that. I knew that eventually the sleeplessness, the lack of appetite, the, the constant thinking about things that you don't want to think about, I knew that eventually that would dissipate. But the reason I mentioned friends is that one of the things that you do when you're going through a, a trauma is... Uh, one of the things that helps relieve some of that pressure, and it is like your, your balloon filled with hot steam. You've got to let it out or you'll blow up. Um, you know, Shane commended me the other day because a lot of people do ch- turn to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Instead of running away from it, that, they go look for the answer in the bottle of a whiskey bottle. There's no answers there, just questions. And uh, so I, I knew that much. But... Um, Talking about it with friends, many of whom uh, work here, used to work here, or just regular customers, there's not much they can do. There really right. isn't. You know, do you need anything? It's like when somebody dies in a family. Uh, you lose a child, which is, you know, the ultimate trauma, in my opinion, is to lose a child at any age. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. All you really want is somebody to just, just nod their head and listen. Mm-hmm. And they say, gosh, I'm really sorry. And that, that matters because... When I'm letting off the steam, it has to go somewhere. It can't, I can't just go talk to an oak tree. Right. I've got to have somebody say, yeah, that's really bad, and hang in there, give you a little encouragement, but you're externalizing it. The more people I could talk to about what I was feeling, the, the, the less of the load I carried. doesn't mean that they had to carry it for me or with me, but just listening is very important. In fact, I, I've often said that the most, one of the most important parts of conversation with somebody you care about, it's not thinking about what you're going to say next, which is what we often do. It's, it's listening to them, sometimes even to the re- point of repeating. Now, now what you're saying is this. It's called mirroring. What mm. you're saying is this, to make sure that you're understanding, because communication is very challenging, mm-hmm. especially when you're not listening. So when somebody like Shane or Trey or any number of people I could name would listen, it was very helpful. It was very helpful. Um, exercise. For me... It's, it's a form of therapy. Uh, I, 
I'm at the point where my joints don't allow me to do intensive cardio. I've been in really good shape at different points in my life. At 62 years old and 225 fucking pounds, I never thought I'd be inside a gym. But I lift weights, and it's very cathartic. I know that when I don't feel like working out, that's the best time. Because when I leave, I feel much better. So for the last eight or ten months, I've been working out not every day, but as close to it as I can. And, of course, it was a big challenge during COVID. Just taking a walk, just being outside, just being among, you know, out in nature. I like gardening. Uh, smoking a cigar. Uh, you know, the, Shane was joking that they wanted to put labels all over it. Don't smoke these cigars. It'll kill you. Well, there were times when I, I smoked a cigar and it was a great stress reliever, even if I was just by myself. Mm-hmm. I think one of the health benefits of smoking a cigar now and then is it is a time to relax. That brings me to meditation. I've tried meditation. I haven't tried it very well, but it's often recommended as a way to cleanse your mind, just like letting off steam. I, I'm not a believer, but I know that one of the reasons that people pray is because it's a form of communicating about outside yourself. It's a form of meditation, and it does get you outside yourself. Um, journaling can be therapeutic. People would often ask me, why aren't you seeing a therapist? Because I was a basket case. I was a wreck. And I don't want to spend the money. I know what they're going to say. It's not going to do any good. I was kind of resistant to it. They'd give me a name and number, and I'd stick it in my wallet, then forget about it. But eventually, I came to the point of wanting to see a therapist, and that's where I was this afternoon. And I highly recommend it. If what, whatever it is that you're going through, you know, they, they are trained. <clears throat> and sometimes they can give you advice on kind of where to steer yourself and... <clears throat> how to make yourself better and how to think more positively and it's been time and money well spent so if you're on the fence and you're thinking that maybe you should go to therapy but you're but you're not inclined i say go you don't have to go forever and you don't even have to go a second time and you may not find the right therapist the first time i i was lucky i did i really like the person uh, it happens to be a young lady but she's got four kids and she knows what she's talking about and she's very patient she's a good listener can't emphasize that enough but she's given me books to read and workbooks to look through and it's been very helpful so you know keeping my mind on positive things uh another mutual friend that we all have used to work here is female uh you know everybody struggled in life as a kid as an adult it never ends and you know you have to face that reality as well winston churchill said if you're going through hell just keep going Mm mm-hmm the other thing that I learned, too, is you can't, you can't look at it as, why did you do this to me? Whatever it is, why did you do this to me? I had to shift my thinking to, how can I learn from this? <clears throat> so I went all in. A lot of times, uh, you have to learn things that are painful about yourself, even going way back. You have to recognize your strengths and weaknesses. But this mutual friend of ours said, you know, keep a, keep a gratitude journal. What are, what are you thankful for? I'm in, really, I'm in the best health I've been in for years. I feel really good. I started, I started dressing professionally. Uh, I used to come into this cigar shop invariably in cargo shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Everybody knew that was my uniform. Well, I, I can't do that anymore. I, I do like to wear nice clothes. I like to shave regularly. I like to, I like to keep my hair cut. Just take pride in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's those little things that become habits that uh, it's like making your bed. It's like picking up after yourself. I don't go to bed with dirty dishes. You know, I put them in the dishwasher, I clean up the kitchen. Uh, Those little things matter. And taking care of yourself, you know, at one point in my life, I would have thought that taking a trip, buying an expensive cigar, because I've bought a few Padrones, they're really good. I can't afford to smoke them all the time, but it's a nice treat. 16, 20 bucks for a cigar, what the heck? Buy yourself a little reward. Enjoy a really good cigar. Buy one and give it to a friend. You know, just do something nice for yourself. Do something nice for others. All of these things together have helped me go from a very, very dark place. You know, am I there yet? No. Will I ever be there? I don't know where there is. It's down the road somewhere, but I'm really grateful. Excuse me. I'm really grateful for the... Uh, support of my friends, for the, the wisdom of my therapist, for the support of my, my adult children uh, who have been very, very helpful to me. In, uh, they're from my prior marriage, my first marriage. 
you know, we've we've lived through some hard times together, and uh, uh, I, I now recognize that no matter how bad it seems, I I can't help but use cliches. You know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It gets it it's it's not a it's not a smooth journey. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, it's more like a roller coaster ride. There's peaks and valleys. There's twists and turns. There's speed bumps and potholes. But they get a little s- smaller. They get a little more manageable. And eventually, you know, uh, I'll reach a point where I can I can continue to look through the windshield and not keep staring at the rearview mirror. So I've come a long way, and I have a long way to go. But uh, uh, and, and honestly, just talking about it like this is helpful because I know that somebody listening to this uh, needs some of the same advice and guidance and encouragement that I got. I just know that somebody out there, again, is either going to experience it, has experienced it, or is experiencing it right now, and that's who I'm talking to. Well, the interesting thing for me, if we had been taking bets here at the shop about Jay getting a divorce, how would that affect his drinking? The odds would not have been in your favor. I could say this because we're good friends and I love you dearly. But the odds would not... You had alcoholic momentum, I guess, would be the proper term. You didn't... I don't think you were an alcoholic. Trey, you know more about this subject. I'm going to jump on that because we've talked about this a lot. You and I have, Shane, and Trey, too. Um, My dad was an alcoholic. He was a binge drinker. He could go for weeks or months and not drink. I've always admired the people that would come in the cigar shop, have a cigar, drink a beer or two, and go home. You know, they're not putting anyone at risk. They would sip their beer... But I could never do that. If I had a beer, give me another one. I'll try that one. I'll have that one. I'll have a Guinness. I'll have that one. I'll have that ale. And I could sometimes make it from top to bottom. That wasn't a difficult thing. The difficult thing would be just having one. Mm-hmm. And I've, I learned this as a Marine lawyer 38 years ago. It doesn't matter what you drink. It doesn't matter how much you drink. If alcohol causes you problems, you have an alcohol problem. And drinking wasn't serving me. It's like I, uh, another close friend who's a frequent customer here said that if you have ideas that don't serve you, then don't think about it. Now, that's very much easier said than done. You know, you tell somebody, don't think of a pink elephant. The first thing they think of is a pink elephant. But alcohol wasn't serving me, and I was not, I was not using it appropriately. We've joked about this so often, Shane, you and I whether it's work, ambition, accumulating wealth, uh, things, stuff, none of that really matters, but it's part of modern life, and you can't live without money. You can't live without food. You know, all things in balance. Another thing I've done is eating right. I used to eat a lot of uh, pasta, bread, pizza, love pizza, could live on pizza. Now I can hardly look at a pizza. I mean, I, I still like it, but sushi's a lot better for me. It's a little more expensive. But I like sushi, so I eat more sushi, I eat less pizza. It's just taking care of yourself. I'll I'll, I'll let you in on a little tiny secret. My goal is to live to be 100. I want to live to be 100. I've got a lot of years left in me, and uh, I want to live fully. I want to be living in the moment. That's hard to do, too. Mm -hmm. So many of us, as as, there's a line in the book that I'm finishing up. uh, It's a sequel to the first book I wrote where the main character says that uh, a man cannot live in the past, but the past always lives in a man. You have to come to grips with it. You know, we've all, whether it's bad upbringing, bad marriage, you know, series of bad marriages, you've got to break the pattern. You've got to deal with the pain, but you don't have to suffer. You have to embrace the pain. You can't make it go away. You can't think it away. You can't exercise it away, and you damn sure as hell can't drink it away. That would have been a mistake. And... Uh, Again, will I ever drink a glass of wine? I don't know. Maybe, but I won't drink one today. Right. Uh, and I don't have any intention of doing so in the near future. But I'm, I'm in, a, in a situation where I'm trying to do what's best for Jay, not what's best for anybody else. And that's not selfish. It's self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And I've always sacrificed my needs for the needs of others, and I'm just tired of it. It doesn't work. Well, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I can't fix anybody but me, and I'm not even sure I can fix me, but I'm doing the best I can. But I can't fix somebody else. Right. Uh, Be it a child, uh, a lover, 
a wife, an ex-wife. You can't, and we've all tried it. And it's like beating your head against the wall. All you do is you, 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 put, a, you put a hole in the wall and you make a mark on your head. Uh, these are things that I wish I'd known when I was 42. But, you know, better late than never. Right. Uh, getting divorced was, at, in some ways, as I've said, uh, it was both the worst thing and the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's, that's true of so many other things. I, I'll mention a, a friend of mine who's a wounded veteran who lost his leg in Iraq. He was shot in the kneecap by a sniper, blew his leg off. Uh, he said that he wouldn't change it. He's met presidents. He's met all kinds of people. We became really close friends. He lives in Oklahoma. He went back to Iraq as an amputee. He's quite remarkable. And I've learned a lot from people like him. I've known a lot of wounded veterans. Uh, they can't change what happened. They, right. they might, I've known people that have lost their eyes, both legs. At one time, there were five individuals from Iraq and Afghanistan that survived losing all four of their limbs. Wow. Um, that's, that's adversity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that happens that you can't survive if you put your mind to it. And that's what I said. If you're going through hell, you just keep going. Well, so how much has writing the second book? So the first book available on Amazon, Glasby's Fortune. And I'll, we've both read it, enjoyed it. Both enjoyed it thoroughly. I've enjoyed it. I've had a lot of good conversations with you here about the book and all. And um, you're writing the second one now. I finished it. It's with the editor, and uh, it's, it's, it was delayed for a lot of reasons, and uh, hopefully it'll be done in about a month. But as far as that goes, that reminds me of another thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I like to draw. I like to paint. I wish I knew more about that. I've done American Indian beadwork since I was 12 years old. I've been, I've been doing some of that. Working with your hands, it's, it's, a, it's not a passion, but it's close. It's more than a hobby, but it's not an obsession. Writing and reading for me, I don't like to watch television. I like good movies, but I don't like TV. I don't watch TV news. Uh, I think that'll ruin you because depending on which, it doesn't matter which you watch, it's all, it's a form of propaganda. It just isn't informative. I'm a big fan of the BBC. Uh, I lived in England for three years. I have a very strong pull to want to go back. I love, I'm, a, I'm an Anglophile, but reading to me is an escape. You go, that's the reason why people love Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. They live in a different time, in a different place. They escape reality for a minute. It's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. So for me, reading is an escape and writing is an even bigger escape. To create a story that people will enjoy is enjoyable for me, and that's why I do it. And it, that's, that's been a very uh, important part of my going from the old Jay to the new Jay is dedicating myself to getting this book done because I have a series of six books in mind, so i got four more at least to write. And I plan on doing that as a productive way to spend my time. Because, again, how, there's one thing that you can't get more of. You can get more, if you lose all your money, you can get more money. If you lose a leg, you still got one. If you lose both legs, you learn. I mean, I've seen it. Uh, the one thing that you lose that you can't get back is time. It is your most precious asset. And how you use it is up to you. Uh, if you like to work, work. If you like to work a little bit, work a little bit. Do other things. Cycling. Trey, I know you're a big cycler. Uh, smoking a cigar. Again, as we were saying earlier, all things in balance. If you drink a glass of wine or three fingers of whiskey or you drink a, a couple beers, I'm glad for you. And I'm sure that it's good for you. It is not good for me. So what works for me will not work for you. I'm just throwing out ideas for people that may find themselves as I did at the bottom of the well, looking up, hoping, gosh, I want to get out of this hole. And uh, sometimes you can't just jump out of it. you got to have people reach down and help pull you out. And that's where having a good bunch of friends that you can trust that are there for you matters. It matters a lot. So if you're not going through a bad time and your friend is, be there for them. That, that's something that you can do that will be time well spent. And I can't say enough about the phrase, that sucks. There, you know, oftentimes when you're, when a friend of yours is going through something very troubling, traumatic, it, it can be really easy to either try and fix it or to, or to come across so concerned that it, it borders on pity. And 
as someone who's been on the other side of that, there is a lot to be said for someone just looking at you square in the eye and saying, you know what, that sucks. And when you hear that and, and it's genuine, that's really, you're just looking for somebody. To, it, it, it really is just a shoulder to cry on. Yeah. You know, at some point in your life, you're the, you're the shoulder that somebody will cry on, and that's, that's appropriate. At other times in your life, you need that shoulder. Um, that, to me, I, I can't imagine. You know, it's been a weird, since, since March and April, it's been a weird lifestyle for everyone in America and the world because of the COVID pandemic. If I wasn't able to come and visit with my friends, uh, I, I think I, I wouldn't have lost my mind. I know I wouldn't have gone crazy. It just would have made what I was going through that much harder. Mm. I can't imagine not having the, the time to spend with friends, as, as I was saying earlier, just nodding their head saying, yeah, that, that really sucks, Jay. That's, that's a shitty situation. Uh, hang in there. You're going to be fine. You know, how many times have I said that to clients? And uh, actually what I've gone through will make me a better lawyer because mm-hmm. I can look at them and say, yeah, I know what you're going through. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of being empathetic. Uh, and I will tell you that if you if you happen to be a listener that's happily married, uh, stay that way. If you're if you're if you're thinking about getting married but you're not sure, don't. You know, make sure because it is the biggest risk that you will ever take. You're putting your your life and your future, your emotions and your fortune in the hands of another person. And I'm not opposed to marriage. Uh, it works for some. It doesn't work for a lot. You know, as a divorce lawyer, I see it when it doesn't work. But there's a lot of people that make it work, and uh, and they they deserve all the credit. But they don't just get it on their own. They they owe a lot of the credit to their partner. Don't take your partner for granted and uh you know you have to you have to if you're going to have a nice garden you got to cut the weeds you got to spread fertilizer you got to take care of it you got to keep the bugs out you have to do the same thing in a marital relationship or a long-term relationship or if you even if you're just dating with some dating someone um i don't like to refer to it as work because when i'm in the garden it's not work but it takes effort if you if you call it work, it makes it sound too onerous. Like oh shit, I got to go take my wife to dinner. You know, if you're saying that to yourself, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're saying I get to take my wife to dinner, then you're doing it right. Uh, and if you're a woman and you're taking your wife to dinner, that's even better. Uh, you know, it works both ways. But if you're working together, uh, you can accomplish. That's why people form businesses and partnerships, and that's what a marriage is. It's a partnership. If you're both pulling the wagon at the same time, some will pull harder for a while than the other person. But it, you know, over over the long haul, uh, pun intended, if you're both pulling together, you can you can get that wagon anywhere you want it to go. But if one person's not pulling it, the other one's going to get mad, resentful, and they're going to leave. And that's how that's how relationships break down. Well, one more, one quick cigar article before we go. And I'll, I have to hit Master at least of one the article. Segway. Jeez. Well, I love this article. Okay. I love this article. This is from the Abilene Reporter News. Abilene Police, man without ID, takes cigars, leaves money behind. Does anything speak to a cigar smoker more than that statement? So, a man without ID, he was denied purchasing cigars at a cigar shop in Abilene. And he pushed through three employees and left the money on the floor for the cigars. I just, I just like this guy's moxie. I like his motivation. I like that I'm not going to steal these cigars, but I'm obviously of age. Here, take the money. I'm gone. Well, what I think is funny is, is the point that you made of obviously of age. In the article, it says he appeared to be about 20, which I believe federally now 21 is the age. So it, it that's not to say that he was 20. We don't know because they don't identify the person. But it could very well be that he was just under the line, or it's, he, he was close enough to the line that you couldn't get away without being carded. Well, he could have been smoking since he was 18, and then they changed the law. And um, that's been our, our complaint about this changing smoking age to 21 for a long time. What if you've been smoking cigars since you were 18? Are you supposed to quit for two years? I'm going to throw a little legal. I'm going to throw some legal stuff on you real quick about this. <clears throat> there's two kinds of um, there's two kinds of rules in the legal system. There's a thing called malum in se, which would be murder, rape, 
bank robbery. That's just wrong. You don't need a law to tell you that. You know it's wrong. And then there's a long list of things that are called, they're, they're called malum prohibitum. Driving in the left lane on the freeway when you're not passing anybody. They're only wrong because they're prohibited. And uh, let's, let's use cigar smoking as an example. Is it malum in se for a 20-year-old to smoke a cigar? No. Is it malum in se for a 15-year-old to smoke a cigar? I would say no, and I've raised three kids. I've got three grandkids. It's not wrong. It's just prohibited. So in the case of the gentleman in Abilene, and I use the term with a small g, uh, don't know the guy. I know the type. <laughs> had he... Had he absconded without leaving the money behind, then that would be wrong. But by leaving the money behind, he embraced, he put the cloak of, I'm a bit of a rebel on. And everybody likes a bit of a rebel. So it's hard to condemn the guy for doing what he did because... It's not theft. We don't view it as malum in se. We view it as, ah, uh, he didn't really do anything wrong. He might, have, he might not have been wise to shove his way past two or three employees. You know, that's a little offensive, but as long as he didn't draw blood or hurt anybody or knock anybody down, uh, he just really wanted those cigars bad enough to do what it took. And I think most of us secretly think that, yeah, I could see myself doing that. I do think it's funny, though, to that point, that because of the fact that he pushed through, um, they're investigating the incident as an assault contact or threat. So well, he, he upped the ante a little bit. Yeah, you know, you, you could do a whole podcast on uh, the legal system and what laws are good, what we think are bad. It's very, it can be very subjective. One of the very first things I learned in law school in 19, gosh, I don't even want to say, um, that an assault is any offensive touching, however slight. Actually, if you went and, you know, when you put your middle finger on your thumb and you flick somebody on the, on the back of the head, you know, just to get their attention. You could do that lightheartedly, but if you did it to a stranger and you did it kind of hard and kind of knocked their noggin, that's an assault. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt them, but we, we not only does Shane have the right to keep his private property private from his wife, we also have the right to go through society without people, you know, bull rushing their way past us if we're trying to stop them. Uh, th there, I get all that, but, you know, it's kind of a... This could only happen in Texas. Right. <laughs> you, you, you know, you can see it. You can't see it quite. It, it's not quite as vivid if it had been in Brunswick, Maine, or, you know, Newport, Rhode Island. It's, there's, there's a Texas aspect to it that's kind of like the Old West. It's got a little romanticism to it that says, oh, that guy didn't really do that much wrong. Uh, so anyway. Well, you know, after my wife listens to this podcast, you're going to be in so much trouble with her. Shane, I've been in so much trouble. It's like, how much more? <laughs> what, what, what more trouble could that could that entail? I'll defend my position as long and as much as it takes. Well, you, hang in there, my brother. <laughs> well, it's time of the show. We're coming to the end. We got to rate our cigars. So, you're gonna have to give us a rating on the Knuckle Buster from one to seven. Seven is I can't wait to get another. One is I'd only smoke it again if offered by a grouchy third world dictator. Under threat of death. Under threat of death. I'm just going to, being, being a lawyer and a trained media, I'll, I'll give it a 3.5. 3.5. Trey, the Texas, the Yellow Rose? Five and three quarters. That's as high as you've rated that cigar in a long time. Yeah. I mean, the Bones is a four. It is what it is. It's not terrible. I, I mean, you know, with no other options, I would smoke one again, but it's not going to be something I reach for. Yeah. And how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us via email at info at thecigarcast.com or on facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. You know, I want to thank, uh, uh, I really do, I really do value my friendship with both of these fine gentlemen and I don't want to make light of it. If, if I've said anything that you find offensive or you disagree with, then I apologize. It was certainly unintentional. If you need help and you don't know where to turn, uh, I'm certainly available. These guys know how to reach me at the drop of a hat. If you want to email them and get in contact with me for any reason whatsoever, I encourage you to do so because part of the reason I enjoy being a lawyer is helping people. It's not just, you know, it's not just to pay the rent. Mm -hmm. So if, if you need help, 
and you don't know where to turn. Uh, these guys know how to reach me, and they we can all we can all work together to help help you get through a tough time. And if I've said anything that offended you tonight, suck it up, Buttercup. Um, <laughs> and if you've ever wanted to know the difference between these two gentlemen, there it is. <laughs> and all, but thanks everybody for listening this week. Jay, thanks for being on the show again. It's Glasby's Fortune available on Amazon. Yeah, in, in a month or so, uh, maybe we'll come back and talk about Glasby's Pirates. Hopefully, it'll be ready by then. We'll see. I'm working hard on it. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.